0: Control the coinage and the courts, let the rabble have the rest. Thus, the Padishah Emperor advised you, and he tells you, if you want profits, you must rule. There is truth in these words, but I ask myself, who are the rabble, and who are the ruled? Muhadib's secret message to the Lanzarad, from Arrakis Awakening by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls, and I'm Evan Diaz, and together we are going to read some epic badassery, amazing Dune. Yeah, we are. That was that was exciting. I had to to hype us up. Wow! Full warning. Full disclosure, because part of the awesomeness, I believe, of this show is Evan not knowing anything.
1: That's true.
0: It's yeah. That's the biggest comment we get is we're so glad Evan knows nothing when reading when listening to this show because we like watching what he <laughs> happens. We I have to disclose that this is the second time we tried to record this episode. Womp womp. Uh, yeah, I got covid last week and then i was recovering and in quarantine and trying to make everything happen and we tried to record another uh way not stream yard what we're doing now and yeah. it um epically epically failed and did not give me the files i needed so we are here to do it again
1: yeah so it may maybe uh we'll see what uh what things would be like if i wasn't quite as ignorant as i Normally, am uh,
0: I? wouldn't say ignorant. Naive, I think, is a better
1: word. Well, that's but, that's a, that's a kinder word that I think means kind of the same thing.
0: Okay, so let's talk about this quote. Let's just jump straight into it. This is one of my favorite quotes for context because Muhadib has grown. The name Muhadib has grown. The mm-hmm. message of Muhadib has grown. Yeah. So much so that he is sending secret messages to the Lanzarat. Mm. He's going around the Baron Harkonnen and around the Beast Raban. He's going around the Emperor and giving messages straight to the Lanzarat. That's pretty cool. It is this zealot in the desert who mm. is. Gaining this religious fervor of the natives on Arrakis. They refer to Muhadib as him. The whole planet knows who he is at this point. And he's giving a message to those who like would like to think they're in control. Right, 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 right. He said, you know, he says, the Padishai Emperor told you, you know, you must control the money and the court system, right? How you rule everything else, anybody else can can hack have and if you want to rule you must get profit and spices of course is all about profit right but the question is now to these other people who are ruling are you are you the ruled are you the rabble who are you really where is the real power in the universe right i mean it's it it goes back to even
1: like what how his dad was starting to look at things, like how Duke Leto was starting to look at things. So he was like low key, like what is the point of any of this? Like, why is any of this happening this way? Maybe we can change it. Maybe if we, and that's where his whole plan sprouted from, right? It was like, maybe if we can do X, Y, and Z, you know, turn Arrakis into a, like a, a lush planet and train, the already hardened Fremen to be on our side, we could blah blah blah, right? Um, and Paul, Paul is just doing the same thing. He's still, he's still kind of following that same line, or at least it seems like it. Um, and he's turning the whole system on its head and he's saying, like, guys, are you not seeing this? Like, this is what he's telling you. But like, are you being ruled? Are you, you know, like he's 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 planting the seed into these people in the seats of power. It's like this big...
0: You're right. So now that seed has been planted that like is the Padasha Emperor actually looking out for your best interests? Or maybe it would be somebody else who would be better. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. I don't know. You think about it. You think about it. Let me know. We can, uh, you know, let me know. And we know that the Baron knows about... Muhadid, right his name is slowly been spreading across the imperium this mythological messiah figure yes and, and so in this chapter we're um not gonna see paul at all <laughs> this we have it is ladies night ladies Arrak- night <laughs> ladies night on arrakis <laughs> so we are in the secret southern sietches and we meet, we encounter Lady Jessica, who is now Reverend Mother of the Fremen, Jessica. Mm. She's sitting in her resting chamber, catching a moment of stillness in between her night classes. So evidently as part of the Reverend Mother, Part of your duties is to help teach the, the people in the siatch, probably the little ones to the older ones, tell them the stories. No one knows the stories of the Fremen better than the Reverend Mothers. They've lived it. Right. They can they can tell them what it's like. Right. So she has she's doing these classes, but in between, she's resting in her chambers, probably sitting on the on the ground on a little pillow, doing like a little meditation. But she can't stop thinking about Paul. And how Paul is probably undergoing his sandwriting test right now. Mm.
1: Right. Which is where we left him last time, the worm was like approaching, right?
0: And so, so now Jessica's and Jessica's thinking about it and all the things that could possibly happen because of all this. And but she knows that they don't want her to know that. He's going through this test even though, but she's putting the pieces together and Chani's not there. Obvious sign. So she's thinking about it. And she's looking around her room now and her room isn't as big as her chambers in yet to bar, but it's still luxurious for Fremen standards, right? Thick rugs on the floor, cushions everywhere, low coffee table, not to be ignored. And they have multicolored hangings on the walls. And the room, the room had a slight Fremen stench to it. That smell of body odor and sweat of I poop my pants nice. on a regular basis.
1: And that's just how it works.
0: <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no, but now that stench, uh, when she smells it, it, it gives a sense of like this added security. Right. There's nowhere else in the Imperium that she is more safe than in a Fremen siege. Nobody can touch her.
1: Right. And kind of nobody is trying to. Like, nobody's trying to pull a sneaky on the Reverend Mother so, of course, she feels safe. You know? It's just a different culture altogether. There's no poison and poison snoopers and assassins and all that crap. It's like, everything's for the good of the tribe. And everyone thinks
0: she's dead. No one knows she's alive. So she's like got this double safeness that she's living in there now. But Jessica knows that she could never quite overcome the sense of alienness that living with the Fremen provides, right? The wall hangings, the carpets, they all tried to conceal the harshness of this place. But somehow her heart will never fully embrace it. She knows that once this is all over, once Paul is put back into power, she's out. She's gonna go back to Caladan. She's gonna go hang out with the Bene Gesserit other Reverend Mothers and tell them everything was gonna happen. Like she has an exit plan. She's oh. not staying. I didn't. Even, I didn't think about that. Yes, this is just a safe haven for right now. In her mind, gotcha. she's leaving. She's going back to Lush Caladan and going to go grieve her Lido when she needs to. But, that's, yeah.
1: Okay, seems unlikely, but sure. In her mind, that's, what that's what's happening. Isn't so, it, wasn't, didn't somebody say you, you can't just like up and leave Arrakis because of all the spice? Right. But if you so, just leave, you'll have withdrawals and get all
0: yeah so paul said that in the in in the chapter where he was in the, in the tent with jessica and he goes crazy he's like one does not just leave arrakis right you get addicted to the spice and the spices and everything you even mentioned like the cinnamon is in everything right and there's only maybe two people groups that could supply the amount of spice to survive and that'd be the guild Right? The spaceships, they need spice. They're gonna have a bunch. And the Benet Gesserit need the spice. So she would she's fine. She could go to where she needs to go and get out because the BGs will take care of her.
1: Okay. That's good too. See, we didn't even talk about this the last time we did this episode. This is so interesting. <laughs>
0: Alex says from the live stream, because we're now streaming live, so you can Woo. comment and whatnot, says Evan with his Dune book in his in his on his head is such a vibe. And it's so true. It's just so pretty. If you're watching on YouTube, this is what you get to see and be with and participate. Okay. So Jessica could hear the drumming from outside her room. It was for a birth celebration. A baby was coming. And she knew eventually, being the Reverend Mother, that the baby would be brought to her for her blessing. She'll get to gaze into that blue-on-blue-eyed cherub little face and bless it. But she also knew there would be somebody else at this birth celebration. Her daughter, Alia, who's now two years old, is going to be at this celebration. So, Evan, break it down what do we know about Alia so far?
1: Uh, She was, she's weird because she was changed by the water of life ceremony when she was yet a wee embryo. Right. Yeah. Um, We read that chapter and like the consciousness of the old Reverend mother and all that stuff that happened there. So there's something weird about Alia. And we were told, I think Paul told us from his prescient, you know, his like future, future stuff that she was going to be weird. Like there, there was something strange about her that made people uncomfortable. So like, we already know before we ever meet her that there's something super weird happening about Alia, right? That's what
0: we know at this point. We at right now. Yeah. So Alia is at this birth ceremony and we know that Jessica has probably sent her there and knows where she is. But Jessica cannot stop thinking about Paul and all of the dangers that he's facing. She's just also stuck in her head. What's going to happen next? And she thinks in this moment she should call out for, you know, it'd be really good at this moment. Coffee. Some nice spice coffee. I mean, to be honest, any moment would be good with some spice coffee. Same, same. That's like me most of the day, every day. <laughs> You'll know be good right now with some coffee. And right in that moment, the uh, curtains part and a hand pops through with a cup of spice coffee. Which is so sick. The hand puts the cup on the table and then disappears. So there's a coffee table there for a reason there to hold coffee. Amen. And from the cup arose the cinnamon aroma of the spice coffee. And Jessica then notes how, like, just how weird that was. How organic, almost. She had the thought and the coffee appeared. It's almost like the CH was a, is a single organism working in conjunction with everything heart and she thinks this has to do with the high concentration of spice in their diet so right so you have the the spice orgies right where they can share consciousness with with each other right there's that but like on another level like the whole it's for the good of the tribe the tribe right. works in complete conjunction with each other even their own thought process which is it's like a yeah like a beehive almost they're just yeah. one mind
1: and it's not like whoever like put the coffee there was sitting there reading uh jessica's mind from the other room it's just like that's that was i thought that was a really cool part of this chapter was that like they it wasn't mind reading it wasn't like some kind of special fancy power it was this connection that they have as a people where somebody in a different room was probably like oh Jessica's probably going to want some coffee in a minute let me go make some and they went and made some and then she had the thought man I could really use some coffee right now and by the time she had that thought it was already done and they were putting it on the table like it wasn't any kind of crazy magic necessarily it was just like this is what would be good for the tribe right now is for me to make Jessica coffee. Cause she's going to want some in five minutes,
0: you know? Right. And the coffee is a, is a uh, token of appreciation from the birth celebration. So it's like all part of the ritualistic thing that's happening right. that she's just included into it. Just weird how it works like that. Okay. Now stop. We're going to put a pin in this. Okay. And I don't I want to talk about spice coffee. Yes. Okay. We did miss this the first time we recorded this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so in your mind, Evan, what do you describe spice coffee? How big is it? How much liquid is in it? Is it what's going on? We know it's hot, and we know it's cinnamony. What else is happening? Um,
1: the way the way I was picturing it is, um, the way they make coffee in like Ethiopia or Turkey. And we talked about this last week a little bit, but this, this seems really pretentious of me to talk about. When I was in Ethiopia, we had blah, blah, blah. But like they have these little tiny. My shot not, glasses. It's like, a, it's not quite a shot glass, it's like a double shot glass for those of you that went to college. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, and it is just like the whole thing is just thick jet fuel espresso, like as as concentrated as possible. And like, they'll put milk in it and stuff sometimes, but it's just like, it's dense, you know? And so that's kind of what I've been picturing like a little tiny double shot glass or like a little baby teacup kind of thing, but with like really thick, really spicy cinnamony black coffee.
0: That's what I've been picturing. So yeah, that is perfect. So the question I think someone posed in the discord was like, how does, where does it come from? Like, we know that the Fremen will have their still suits and they have their, their reclaimed moisture. So this addition of drinking a liquid, a hot liquid at that, is a super luxury. So just right. how like the women wear their water and rings is like jewelry right? Because water is wealth. You could then use some of your wealth to pay f- to have the coffee. Um, and they're probably not going to be drinking a lot of water as is. And then you're just put So you're putting that back into your body. Yeah. And I just thought it's that not was it.
1: wasted. Right. Even though you're like heating it up and it's evaporating or whatever. Um, but it is. It's not like a cup of Joe. You, you go down to donkeys and get a small coffee. It's like a it's like a a very special thing you know, that they take very seriously. It seems like.
0: And even like, okay. So remember when Paul killed Jameis, right? Cause we are a friend of Jameis and, in, and in him, his getting his belongings along with getting uh, Jameis, wife and two sons, he also got a, a, a coffee token. So everybody has their own coffee token. That I they thought he got carry. a coffee business. No,
1: James's coffee business.
0: No, I think I think it was just a coffee token. So you go and you mm-hmm. like put like everyone has their own token to go get coffee in a certain way. I don't I don't I wish somebody could explain the economics of spice coffee. And if you can <laughs> email us at readingduna dot com and we'd love to learn more. We're big learners here. And if there's there's more to this universe, I know there is.
1: Yeah. And there's smarter people than us out there.
0: 100%. 100%. Who might listen to our podcast and just scoff
1: the whole time? Oh, peasants. They know nothing of these matters.
0: Welcome to Reading Dune, the peasant podcast for those who <laughs> just want to consume the story.
1: We're like the average Joes of Dune fandom. That's what we're. I'm here for
0: it, <laughs> helping people get involved. All right. So Jessica takes a sip of her coffee and she thinks this is the only place in the Imperium where I don't have to worry about poison, right? This is the only only place. This is so rare. this this idea of security is just again established. And again, thinking about Paul. And she's thinking about how much of her life now is just waiting, well, waiting for things to happen. They've been here about two years. She thinks, and odds are they're going to be there twice as long before they like even approach to wrestle Arrakis from the Harkonnens and Beast Rabat. So she's estimating in her time frame where they've been in there about two years and there'll be two more before they'll they'll attack. So that would At really, least. At least. Before they gather up strength and everything else to like, actually take planet back.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Did she say, I thought she said at least twice as long.
0: So and that'd I'll, be four more years. And at least twice that number. Oh yeah, okay, we can do that at least yeah so she's they're they're gonna wait around a while she's like prepping herself like i don't get to go back home for this like, she's like prepping herself like when do i get to leave okay four more years we got this it'll be great
1: see i'm smart yeah I'm tough. you're yeah you're you're real smart next chapter i might not know anything so i'm just <laughs> taking advantage of this
0: opportunity <laughs> it says this is what we get when Evan has read the chapter twice dun, 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 dun. All right, so Jessica then hears Hara's voice from outside the curtains. Reverend Mother, she says. Now Evan, who is Hara? Hara is uh
1: Paul's inherited wife question mark not really wife she's more is like his the his, uh, property slave is that a weird is that the word uh no, servant I think, I think slave is harsh you know because he's like he's like in charge of her but i don't feel like she's enslaved you know right um she's uh one of Paul's women? That doesn't sound better either.
0: I don't know. I don't
1: know how to say it.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, we know that when Paul beat Jameis, he won everything of Jameis's, including his wife and kids. The kids are always his responsibility. But Hara, he could take it as as a servant or as a lover, as in the wife like station. Right. And he had a certain amount of time to make that choice. Um because if he did not make, if he did not choose her for a wife in that amount of time, she would then go free and is free to do something else. So there's a limited window where she is in the in Paul's household, um, and there's nothing sexual going on with them. It's because Paul is still deeply in love with Johnny and he needs her. So right. there's there's no nothing happening there. All right, it's like a roommate that you own. Yeah, like an ant, maybe, that just won't leave you <laughs> alone. <laughs> just, like, moved in one day and won't leave. Right? Just what's happening? All right, so Hara comes in, and behind her is Alia, a girl who's about maybe two years old, a little toddler, but she's walking with the elegance of a full-grown woman. Oh, that's so cool. Seeing Alia, Jessica couldn't help but see the similarities between Alia. And Paul, when Paul was that age, the wide, solemn eyes, the questing look, always looking, and the dark, hard hair and the firmness of the mouth. But Alia was different. There were subtle differences that unnerved most adults. Alia carried herself with a calmness and awareness far beyond her actual age. Adults were shocked to find her laughing at the subtle wordplay between men and women. Like when there's like an innuendo that gets thrown out there in a sexual manner, you hear this two-year-old that's like chuckling when you say it. And that's weird. That would be so uncomfortable. Right. Or the little sly remarks that adults would make that no two-year-old would ever understand. Right. Hara comes into the room and just sinks down on one of the pillows. Like, ah, just resigned herself. I give up. (laughs) Jessica motioned to Alia. And Alia came forward and came and sat next to the cushion, next to Jessica, and they just hold hands. And in that moment where they hold hands, that connection is restored. That sense of mutual awareness that they had in the womb is then, again, restored when they're they're touching physically. They were emotionally one. And Jessica could sense there was amusement coming from that little two-year-old. Classic. Alia spoke to her mother in like a half lisp. My brother's Ganima is annoyed with me. Wow. Was that good? Did I nail it? Two-year-old? Hmm. Jessica noted the word that Alia used. <laughs> "Ganima," which means something acquired in battle. Like an ornament. Something that's never actually used again for its actual purpose. So like... Uh, I think the example in the book they gave was like a like a spear head that's now used as like a something to hold up books. Yeah, the the way down a curtain. I think it was right. Like no, not to be used for its original purpose. That is who what Alia is calling Hera, which is just a burn, just a big old fat burn. <laughs> Hera scowled at the child. Don't try to insult me, child. I know my place. Jessica's like, okay, Alia, what did you do this time? <laughs> but before Alia could speak, evidently, Alia has a, has a track record for, for doing this, for uh, making trouble. Same. But Hara interjected. Not only has she refused to play with the other children, she intruded. And this is where Alia says, I hid behind the hangings then watched the baby being born. It's a boy. He cried and cried. What a set of lungs. When he cried long enough, and then Hara just yells, she came out and touched him. Which, again, is just weird. So, evidently, Fremen babies, when they're born, they have to get all of their crying done right away. Right. For water discipline. Right. They have to keep the tears in to keep the water in the body. And so they just let them cry, get all their cries out right away.
1: Right. Which I I still don't understand because as a father to a 22 month old child. So like about Alia's age. She cries a lot. (laughs) She, (laughs) She cries over almost nothing all the time, you know. Was it's the fine time? Like she's a baby she's a small child like it's it's what happens but my it, my brain it just does, doesn't compute how are they training kids to do that is that just like genetically like built in they get all their crying out and then they're like for the good of the tribe you know
0: maybe a little bit of both I like that okay. though so Alia says he'd cried long enough I just wanted to feel his spark his life, that is all. And when he felt me, he didn't want to cry anymore. <laughs> Halea Hera quickly rebuttaled. It just made more talk among the people. The baby is healthy as any baby could be, and Alia didn't hurt him. They just, and they didn't mind it, her touching him. It was just, it's just, as for Jessica says, it was the strangeness of my daughter. Is that it? The way she speaks things beyond her years that no child her age could know things of the past so evidently what alia did is after she touched the baby she said oh look it looks like so-and-so's son who was born on belatagi so before they got to arrakis even on the other planet it's like oh it yeah, looks like that one and again how would alia know that it's just weird. How would a two-year-old know that? And of course, Jessica was like, "Oh yeah, you can't do that." And 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 in that moment, she's like, "Wait, what have I? What have I done? Who is this creature? This little two-year-old who knows more than any two-year-old ever." Knows more than most adults at this point in time. Has lived multiple lifetimes on multiple planets in all this knowledge in this little, little little person.
1: Jessica's like in the business of making weird human beings.
0: Agree. Yes, that's She's it. Monster maker. <laughs> the monster maker. <laughs> and then Hera says, "It's not. It's not just the things that's." Alia says. It's also her exercises, right? It's the way she sits, stares at a rock, moving one muscle beside her nose, or a muscle on the back of her finger, right? This little two-year-old just sitting in the sand, just moving or just just her, her muscles and her fingers, or just one little thing. Of course, Jessica says that's the Bene Gesserit training. Like you wouldn't deny Alia her inheritance as a Bene Gesserit woman girl but hara knows this and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter to hara it, it's just weird for the people the people just seem it's just weird and, and they don't understand what to do which is fair yes if my if my kid was walking
1: around doing b'nai jeserid exercises and like laughing when somebody was like oh yeah oh, in your window you know like <laughs> that would be weird that would be like super
0: uncomfortable. Right, when Alia makes a that's what she said joke, it's just weird. It's just <laughs> weird. And there's this rumor that's around the CH now that Alia is a demon or a witch. Oh, come on, guys. But of course. It's too cute to be a demon. <laughs> demons aren't that cute. <laughs> Jessica is almost shocked at how Hera is responding to all of this and how Hera is defending Alia. Jessica says, you know, since Hera is a member of her son's household, she may speak plainly. And Hera responds that she may not be a member of Paul's household for much longer. Bum, bum, bum. She stayed with Paul so that her sons could receive special training from Muad'Dib, which no doubt they're probably Fadikin at this point and then head generals, because that's who Paul's going to train first. Right. But it's known that she could not advance much further. In her station, because everybody knows she does not share a bed with Paul. Jessica notes how Hera would have made a great, great companion for Paul. He's just a smart, she's smart. Just right. as she was a great companion for the Duke Leto. And also, Chauncey is also great for Paul. And she likes Chani as a person, but she knows that sometimes. Love needs to step aside out of royal necessity. Ugh. Like, she knows down the line, Paul's going to need to marry a royal, just the way that down the line, Duke Leto needed to marry a royal to advance her station, just because, just like Hera is trying to advance her station. Right. Or at least she believes that. Which is, yeah, which is weird because, like, in her youth, right, she the Lady Jessica rebelled. It's, it's the right. famous rebellion to go away from everything. Um, and how even the Duke Guido wanted to make her his wife, but never did it. And all of all other bullshit. So it's weird to have her, she's got this cognitive dissonance. And I think she's decided that what she did before in creating Paul was wrong. In her own mind for the Bene Gesserit.
1: Yeah, but she, I don't know, it's it's this whole thing with this chapter, like, Jessica seems to be going back to what she knows, as opposed to, like, what Leto and Paul have both been acting on, which is, like, turning the whole thing on its head. So, like, she's very worried about things that Leto and Paul are saying aren't going to matter for very much longer, you know?
0: Yes, yes, we know that. It's almost like Jessica's allegiances have completely shifted,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: she's now serving the Bene Gesserit again. And her mom, like I think has been in becoming a reverend mother. She was like, Oh, I get it now. I get what they're trying to do. Um, doesn't mean that they're right. It just means that she's understanding now what, where they're coming from. So, okay. Hara says, I think she goes, she says, you think, I don't know what you, the plan is for your son. And Jessica's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Hara says, you plan to unite the tribes under him. And Jessica's like, is that bad? And Hara says, I see danger for him. And Alia is part of that danger. Like, Alia's going to cause trouble here. Alia nestles closer in to her mother. Everyone's looking at Hara, studying her. I've watched you two together, Hera said, the way you touch. And Alia is like my own flesh because she's my sister to the one who is my brother. I've watched over her. I've guarded her from the time she was a mere baby. I've seen many things about her. When has there been another baby who knew the water discipline so young? What other baby's first words to her nurse were, I love you, Hera. Freaky. So weird. It's freaky. Hera then just stares at Alia. Why do you think I accept her insults? There's no malice in them. Alia looks up at her mother. And this is where Alia says, we have made a mistake, mother. We need Hera now. Need Hera? Jessica asked herself, like, wait, what is she going to help us with? Right. And I like that
1: moment because it's like, Alia just completely drops any pretend childhood that she, that, you know, like any kind of masking of her consciousness, like her adult self in a little baby body, right? She's like, you know, snuggling with her mom and then she's like, oh,
0: we've made a mistake. We need Hera now, you know, like, bam! Bam! automatically switched like and it's fun to see her change her mind like oh nope we need them right and why do we need Hera um Alia says who else can talk among the people and make them understand me Jessica looked down what would you have her do Alia responds she already knows what to do I will tell them the truth Hera says Alia only pretends to be a little little girl because she has never been a little girl. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, 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 Alia shakes her head in agreement and tears start streaming down her face. Jessica could feel the waves of grief coming from Alia. I know I'm a freak, Alia whispered. You're not a freak, Harris snapped. Who dares say you're a freak? Again, Jessica is completely caught off guard. Like, wait. Where is this fierce, protective nature coming from in right. Hera? Maybe Alia did judge correctly and we need her. The tribe, the tribe would understand where Hera's coming from. Who said it? Hara repeated. Nobody, Alia said. <laughs> <laughs> right back to a two-year-old, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Gone. Then don't you, Then don't you dare say it. Hara ordered. Yes, Hara, Alia said. <laughs> and then Hara asked, okay, tell me what happened during the Water of Life ceremony. We know that's where the change happened. And again, Hara's probably seen multiple Reverend Mothers come through. She knows what, she's been taught by them for a young age. She knows what they know. So like, all right, tell me, Alia, what happened?
1: Yeah, that's the difference. She asks Alia what happened. We know what happened with Jessica. Yeah. Like now, we
0: get Alia's perspective on the whole thing, which is super rad. So, one day, Alia says she wakes up and she's in a warm, dark place and she's frightened. She tries to escape, but there's nowhere to go. And then a spark comes. Alia says she could feel the spark's emotions, soothing, comforting, telling her everything's going to be all right. And that was Jessica. Right. When Jessica was like, or the Reverend Mother was like, you need to tell the spark. It's OK. Right. And then, of course, Jessica repeats the litany against fear and nothing happened. So she like reaches out with her emotions. So that's that's the emotional thing that's happening there. She just made it sound so lame. <laughs> she reaches out with her emotions. <laughs> you know, it's like that comforting. Just like, <laughs> you know, you just think warm thoughts, think hugging thoughts to this person. (laughs) Hara is just a listening, wide-eyed, focused on what's happening. This is crazy. Right. And then Alia continued. When I felt safe and secure, another spark was with us. And then everything was happening at once. The other spark was the old Reverend Mother and we were trading lives. I was with them, seeing everything. I was with them and the others and myself and when it was over it took me a long time to find myself again there were so many others jeez so that's like we talk about in the water of life chapter like jessica looking down a corridor and of all of these like endless lives to go down and alia is trapped in that not knowing who she is Trying to find herself again because, again, she doesn't have any experiences to draw on to say, nope, those are mine versus those are somebody else's. It's all just jumbled in there. She hasn't made
1: memories yet. The only memories she has are the experience. Of that. And all of the Reverend Mothers before her, their experience and her own mother. Right. Right.
0: Yes. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's probably lost for who knows how long. It's not, it's not like an instant moment. She's probably gone for three to four months while she's growing in the womb, trying to figure all this stuff out. Yikes. Jessica says it was a cruel thing to do. No one should wake into consciousness like that. And Hera's grieved. We didn't know your mother was pregnant when we gave her the water of life. But Alia says, don't be sad about it. I don't feel sorry for myself. There should be a cause for happiness, Alia said. The tribe now has two reverend mothers. But then Alia quickly cuts herself off like she said too much, like, oh. Hara sat up quickly, just staring at Alia understanding what's happening. And then you hear the distant rhythmic chanting. Coming closer, it grew louder and louder ya 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 When the sound had diminished sufficiently, Jessica then began the nightly ritual, all right so this is a nightly ritual that happens in the fremen sie. With that, probably everybody who's in the room when you know the the criers or the singers go past, right you then repeat the ritual. It was Ramadan in the April on Bella Tagese, And then Harris started. My family sat in their pool courtyard, courtyard in air bathed by moisture that arose from a spray of a fountain. There was peace in all the land. And then Ollie the did the next part. Life was full with happiness until the raiders came. <clears throat> and then Jessica. Blood ran cold at the scream of friends. And Jessica at this moment is, like, experiencing these memories again. Mm-hmm. Like, she's back on Bella It's like a flashback is happening where you, you just see the people running and the smoke everywhere. Right. And are Alia is doing this exact same thing.
1: Yes, which would be so weird for a
0: two-year-old to... That's crazy, you know? And she's probably just... She probably doesn't have to force it. Probably just slips in there naturally. Which, oh, we're in this memory now from this person on this lifetime in this planet. Yeah, I remember that. (sighs) The raiders came rushing at us with their knives dripping red from the lives of our men. And then there was silence. They remembered keeping their grief fresh. And then Hara uttered the ritual ending to the ceremony. Giving a harshness to the words that Jessica had never heard in them before, which is saying something. Hara says, We will never forgive. We will never forget. Rawr. So badass. So this is like when Paul talks about these people that have been primed for this moment, they are constantly reliving their grief constantly bringing it back up to the surface to give them motivation to kill Harkonnens, to kill anybody who would do any raiders that would come their way. It gives them that ferocity, that grief, just constantly living on the surface, which has got to be, like, hard. Right. And
1: it's it's every night that they're doing this? Yeah, every night. That's, that's insane. That's you, pretty unhealthy, but, like, I mean, effective. You know, your goal is to be focused and enraged and full of like desire for revenge. That would
0: work, but that's that's kind of messed up. So after that happens, that little that moment happens, somebody else comes through the door, through the door hangings, and it's one of Stilgar's wives, Tharthar. Tharthar?
1: Tharthar. We talked we talked for a minute last time about
0: how to pronounce
1: Tharthar. thar-thar?
0: I just went for it this time. I don't even know. Tharthar. <laughs> like, yeah, roll the tongues every time you say it. <laughs> so of course, uh, Jessica says, What is? What's going on? And Tharthar says, There's word from the sand that Usul meets the maker for his test today. Mm-hmm. This confirming what Jessica was thinking in the beginning of the chapter. And the young men say he will not fail. He will be a sand rider by nightfall. The young men are branding for a Raza. They will raid in the north and they will meet Usul there. They will raise the cry then. And they say they will force him to call out Stilgar and assume command of the tribes. So the young men who have been following Muhadib know that this is his moment he's gonna become fully fremen now now is the time that he needs to challenge the the leader so he can unite the tribes under him in the fremen way just another call for violence another call to kill people in order to move forward and use their anger accordingly So of course they want to you know keep going and kill harkonnens and right have the their muhadib, their Liz on al gayib take them into paradise? Yeah, but
1: isn't that also just another maintained status quo? Just like everything else that Paul and Lido were against
0: that we've been talking about. Ex- yes, it's exactly. They, there's this uh, ethos, orthodox of way of doing things that is keeps power in the system. And it keeps the people that are with power on top. And that's where Leto is trying to upset. That's what Paul is trying to upset. Right. But can he do it? So Jessica mused to herself as if gathering water, planting in the dunes, changing their world slowly, but surely isn't enough. They feel the power of Paul. They feel the power and they want to fight. Tharthar <clears, <throat> clears her throat and continues. They say if Usul does not call out Stilgard, then he must be afraid. They'll leave Usul no choice. And Jessica's like, well, this is on Paul. He'll have to handle this. I can't step in. We're going to see what he does. But this is going to be interesting. Alia quickly popped up, looking at her mother, and says, I will go with Tharthar and listen to what the young men are saying. Jessica's like, yes, that's a great idea. And report back everything you hear. So Stilgar's wife, Jessica Alia, nor Stilgar's to-be-wife, Hera, wants this to happen. Hara vouches for Stilgar's wife, saying no harm will come to Alia. They have an understanding. Right. Um, because Hara plans on leaving Paul to be with Stilgar. So they would be sister wives and they would take care of each other because by marrying Stilgar, she can advance her station and so on and so forth.
1: Right. Or if Paul does fight Stilgar and defeat Stilgar, then Tharthur also becomes
0: his uh, sister wife. <laughs> correct. And he's, you know, so, more on his household. Yes.
1: Right. Whatever the case, they're gonna end up sister wives. Yes. Or that's sister. The term,
0: sister, that's the term, sister, we use. term. <laughs> sister wives. So Stilgar's wife, Tharthar, takes Alia's hand and they run out. But Alia is more like pulling Tharthar than doing anything. She's like, We're gonna go and the little two-year-old just waddles out. That happens. That's yeah. that's not science fiction. That actually <laughs> happens. <laughs> So Hara says, if Paul Muhadib slays Stilgar, this will not serve the tribe. It is not in the best interest of the tribe for Paul to do this. But this is the way it's always been. But times have changed before. So Jessica then probes Hara to see if her feelings towards Paul and Stilgar would get get in the way of seeing what the right choice would be here. And Jessica even starts to suggest that Hara would be jealous of Chani because she is Paul's mate. But Hara says she's not jealous of Chani. If anything, she pities her because she knows that Jessica disapproves of Chani as a wife and knows that Jessica wants Paul to marry somebody royal, not a Fremen woman. Mm -hmm. Hara tells Jessica all this, and then Jessica just leans back on her cushion, shrugging, saying, hmm. Perhaps. But Hara suggests that what Jessica really needs is an ally, and she might have a surprising ally in Chani herself, because Chani wants what is best for Paul and also what is best for the tribe. So if it's in the best nature for Paul and the tribe to, for him to marry a royal, that's what she would want. Or Jessica swallows hard, even at this thought, because that's almost something that she couldn't do as the concubine to the Duke Leto. Chani is very dear to me. She could be no, and Hara automatically cuts Jessica off. And she says, your rugs are very dirty in here. Hara looked around the room, avoiding Jessica's eyes completely. So many people trampling through here all the time. You should really have them cleaned more often. And thus ends chapter forty-one. With an abrupt uh, subject change from
1: Hara, like I don't want to talk about this anymore. Your rugs are gross. You're gross.
0: I'm you're gross. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. There's nothing more to talk about. I'm done with this. Your gross ass rugs. Just to like settle like where we are in this hierarchy system um y- your house is dirty <laughs> get it together okay so evan thoughts on alia because again women ladies night here in the what do you think about all these women um
1: I don't know. It's. It, I don't think, I think we learned a lot about each of them, even Tharthar, right? Even right. Um, just the brief encounter we had with her, we learned a lot about them. And it was, it was, it was interesting to see, but also we're seeing how they all seem to still be under the impression that things are gonna continue operating the the way they always have been. Mm-hmm. Even though obviously we've talked about this over and over again in this chapter, but like obviously that's not Paul's like I don't know, mission statement, guiding principles, his mission <laughs> and vision statement for uh his <laughs> muhadibness. Um so I don't know what that says. I, I don't have a concise thesis statement for <laughs> to answer your question.
0: Yeah, there's I think Hera knows that things must change and this is weird. I mean, I think Hera, is like the she's the steady force in this chapter of reason. Yeah. I mean, Ollie is kind of all over the place emotionally still. Jessica is largely caught inside of her head for most yeah. of this.
1: Well, um, Hara is like the anchor of reality in this moment, right? is weird, you know, uh, because she's a two-year-old Reverend mother. Jessica is a little less weird because she's a 30-something-year-old Reverend mother. You know, like, I don't right. know how old she is, but she's a grown-up. But she's still a Reverend mother. She still has this, like, like, up-in-the-clouds view of things. And Hara's like, yo. This is what it looks like here here on Earth or here on the ground, you know? On right. the here
0: and now, this is what's happening.
1: Right. So yeah. Yeah uh, Hara is definitely the 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 grounding person in this chapter.
0: Yes. And yeah. And it's cool we get Alia's point of view on what happened in the uh water of life scenario. Yeah, that was awesome. Um and it was cool just a lot of talk about her and just how weird she is and how the is she splitting the tribe in half they're either they either love her or she's just weird right and yeah we need to we need to watch her because and i'll end right here that the missionary protectiva that was implanted in arrakis talks about a bened whose offspring, right. the Lizan El-Gaib, the voice of the outer world, there's speculation. Is the voice of the outer world, was, is it born on the planet, or does it come to the planet? So maybe later on we're going to see maybe Salia will have her own cult, like people have the cult of the Muhadib now, who is the actual ruler and leader. And we'll just end there. Uh, I don't want to go any further because I might start spoiling things. And much to just say that no one likes it when I do that. Um, if you have a favorite moment, uh, hit us up, email, readingdune, gmail.com. I checked my email today. We did get a video uh, event, so that will be playing really soon probably not got a video I know it's so cool send in videos readingdune@gmail.com. put it on the show it's going to be awesome hit us up on twitter readingdune um, and once there's posts you can look in the comment or the, the description and we'll find the discord link Evan's on the discord we chat after the episode so if you are here live and you want to chat afterwards we usually chat afterwards about the discord which is really cool because it's like there are a lot of smart people in this tribe if you've gotten yes. this far, you are like a big Doom nerd, and we're about that. And you've got thoughts, and we love to hear it because this—we're just the two guys talking show. But there's a lot of us out there, and when we all talk, we, there's a lot. There's a lot that's happening. Um, so, yes, do that. Find do us it. there, and uh, stay spicy. Stay spicy, everyone. Peace.
1: <laughs>